Everybody and welcome to another awesome Easter episode of Ignite Radio Live. Over the five mighty stations of Annunciation Radio, you are with Greg and Stephanie Schleter and five mighty youth on Annunciation Radio this evening. That's a big adjective, mighty, and it works. It does. I'm not work. downplaying that. I don't know if it's inspired, magnificent, brilliant, underrated. There are a lot of adjectives we could give them. Revival. Oh, mighty is not quite big enough. Get the boy is what near your saying. microphone. He's saying well, things. No, you want this, to get him have, on air. I have control. Don't get him near the mic. Okay. Well, I just heard one. So no, we will get him. We will folks, get we're him. very excited to have you here with us on this Easter night. We are celebrating Easter. And it's important for us to understand this in more than historical terms, more than a story, as you hear this song underlying this, 2,000 years ago. But we are living We are living the story of Jesus Christ, his life, death, resurrection, and the Pentecost, the Holy Spirit being poured out. We're living it. That's what what liturgy is all about. It brings us into uh, the life of Christ. It awakens us, our very nature, not just as spectators, but the drama of your life, that, that brokenness that leads to new life is happening all the time. And uh, we want to be awakened to that. We want to live that and recognize it and proclaim God's glory in the midst of our life, death, and resurrection in a special way. We speak of Luke 4, coming out of the desert, the battle, right? That he comes out of the desert in the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's easy to say, right? Uh, But too often, maybe we just stay in the funk, or maybe we don't receive the grace God wants to pour out into our lives. So he's given us, we use the example, I got this from Joseph, actually. You know, if I give you a million dollars, you could still die in the streets with poverty. How does that happen? You choose not to spend it. Because of Jesus Christ and his, his blood and water, his death for us and his grace poured out, he's put in our hearts and minds the capacity to live an abundant life, as it says John 10.10. 10. But are we receiving it? Do we even know how to receive it? So before we uh, unpack that tonight and just open the door to uh, discussing this real challenge and beauty and joy of living this out in the real world, with real stuff, um, we're Steph's going to tell you a little bit about some fun things happening this week and coming up. We're going to introduce these great guests, and uh, we're glad you're with us tonight. Fun things. There's another great adjective, underrated. So right now there's an Ignite finishing up at St. Peter in Huron, and we just, obviously, we are not there. And if you're listening to us, you are not there either. But we love you. But we love you, and God is outside of time. And Father so Jeff we, is rocking it out. All the way. All those parishioners. Amen. St. Peter, Huron. So God is outside of time, and uh, we unite our prayers with them. And we but just in time, too. Thank them. <laughs> he is unplugged, and then some tonight. Um just thank them for their witness and for their uh, bringing an opportunity of encountering our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to the Huron area. Amen. Go, St. Peter. Um, so, and speaking of Ignite, tomorrow evening, Wednesday, April 18th, you have an opportunity to choose um, between two Ignites. One begins at 630 at Most Blessed Sacraments Parish, and 
Holy Trinity in Assumption, Ohio, 7 p.m. theirs begins. So again, that's Wednesday, April 18th, 6.30, Blessed Sacrament, and 7 p.m., Holy Trinity. You know, I really want to get out on Thursday. I just I have that had the night free, and I'm thinking of something really fun and enjoyable to do. Do you want to bring it? Tell me about it. Do you want to bring it? I do want to bring it. Should I bring it? You bring it. About bring it. About bring it? So we can say that I brought it? Oh, my God. Dr. (laughs) Sue Seth. Come on. Okay. So this Thursday, April 19th, um, we are having our Bring It Adult Edition. We are very blessed uh, for our youth edition a couple weeks ago where Father David Kidd, again, rocked it out. We're so blessed by our priests here in the Diocese of Toledo. Can we just take a moment? Yeah. Let's take a moment. Yeah. Is Thank that you. for Father David and all the priests of our diocese? Amen. And Bishop, Bishop Thomas. Yep, and we'll God is so good. We are very blessed. We love you. We affirm you. We April 19th, Thursday, 7 okay. p.m. So, so again, very blessed with our youth edition of Bring It. And um, we are doing the adult edition again. Belief in beverages Belief night. Belief in beverages. Mm-hmm. Good beverages, good food. We do want to let you know that there was a change in the venue of location so hopefully, if you registered, you already got the um, the notification. It is no longer at Fire Pit Grill, which is where we had the youth edition, and we um, sang their praises, and we're very blessed by it. And unfortunately, I retract my recommendation for them, and I will leave it at that um, to remain charitable. But it is no longer at the Fire Pit Grill. Um, it has been moved to St. Joan of Arc Parish, and we thank them for their last-minute openness and hospitality. Um, it will be in the atrium there. Father Adam Hertzfeld and staff, thank you so much. Um, so April 19th, this Thursday, bring it. Adult edition, belief and beverages, 7 p.m. It was awesomeness. a little bit of a late audio track. It was to your kind of downplaying the former venue. I was playing the death march, but yeah. <laughs> a little bit poetic and subtle and a little bit late in the queue. Yes. But we're having fun tonight. You know, just yeah, a little go. bit too much, I think. How much does it cost? It is Thursday free. Night? So if you okay. haven't registered, please register because it gives us a better idea because now we are providing all of the food and beverages. Um, and uh, But if not, if it's a last-minute thing or you ask somebody last minute. Uh, please still come. Mm-hmm. So again, free, 7 p.m. St. Joan of Arc. Where would they edition, register at? Bring it. Massimpact.us forward slash bring it. Right? That's that's perfect. <laughs> Folks, we'd love to have you. have been doing these Belief and Beverages nights for a long time, and it's just a great opportunity to bring family, friends, uh, adults, and for a great evening of fellowship and uh, a little prayer. And for people who don't have answers to the Catholic faith, or you, we want to know them more clearly so we can represent them, that's the purpose of this night. Ask any question you want about the faith, that burning question. Exactly. That's why it's called Bring It. Bring your questions, bring your confusions, bring your doubts, bring your affirmations, bring it all. But it is, again, a great opportunity um, to articulate better what we believe. If sometimes you struggle in doing that, you know the answers but don't quite know how to explain it. Or if you're struggling and have those doubts and questions or somebody that you're in conversations with, whether it's a family member or coworker or whatever, um, invite them and Ask them to avail themselves, you know, to this opportunity of truth and explanation. The next big liturgical stop for our Catholic faith is Pentecost. Just another quick commercial. Our Praying with Fire conference 
May 20th. Bob Schutz, Bart Schutz, is going to bring it that day uh, at St. Joan of Arc in the afternoon. He is a phenomenal presenter, Steph and I, and a number from this diocese experienced him. And I uh, just encourage you to find out more at this point. There's a discount if you go and sign up right now, massimpact.us forward slash fire. There's limited um, capacity just because it is at St. Joan of Arc in the atrium. But this is for whom? Priests, deacons, leaders in the church who are asking the question, after all these great events, how can we more fully live it? and lead other people in living this out and becoming vibrant communities, vibrant homes, you will be very touched and moved and encouraged by um, by Bart Schutz. And by leaders, we also mean young people. Absolutely. Yes. So, folks, we're diving right into this. We're um, blessed to have you with us, Ignite Radio Live, Greg and Stephanie Schleter. And we like to go around and just ask maybe an ice-breaking question that has some seriousness to it also. So the question that's the occasion for these young people to introduce themselves. Joseph will go first, and we'll go around here. So we're gonna, you're going to tell us who you are, where you go to school, whatever brief biographical thing you want to say. But then the question of tonight is, what do you do when you're in a funk? What do you do when you're in a funk? You need some fun background music for that. Well, you start, and maybe you'll find some. All okay. right. I'm moving the mic. Because, yeah. Okay. No, what are you doing to me? Love. Even on the radio, my mother is still being a mother. Me. Yep. Um, my name is Joseph. I am a senior at the School of Home. And uh, what do I do when I get out of a funk? I go you to talk my, into the mic. I go to my mother. Um, Does no, she get you out of a funk? No, she puts me into it. I knew that was coming. Um, when I'm actually when I'm wanting to get out of a funk, I will play music, uh, whether listening to it, usually actually playing it. Um, when I was in shape, I would run, but those days are far behind me. Dude, and you're 18. <laughs> I know. <laughs> After you run a marathon, though, it's just like all downhill from there. Pace yourself. And um, I'll just dance, spin around, move, shake it off. You know, Taylor Swift had some deep theology going there when she wrote that song. You just shake it off. I have no idea what you're talking about, but, you know. <laughs> no one listening probably does except those who are... Modern, cool. I don't know. Yeah, okay. I'm done. I need to stop. Moving on. Hi, my name's Oh Owen Pierce. I go to Central Catholic. I'm a senior there, and um, next year I'll be attending the University of Toledo. Uh, something that gets me out of a funk is um, definitely uh, thinking about one of the verses that's carried through carried me through my life. It's Matthew six thirty four. It's mm. um, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. And um, it's something that I uh, tend to think about a lot. Not often, but. Well, actually, very, very often, and it's something that I dwell on and I pray about because it's something that's general enough to uh, to just make something specific and so that you can relate to it because um because there's so much that going that goes on in the world and uh, in my life especially that I like to I just like to think about just mm. not worrying about tomorrow because just live in the moment and be able to um to just uh, remember that God's always with you and tomorrow is going to take care of itself because He's with you and. That's what really matters. We are so shallow. Well, we're turning over the mics now to Owen and the rest of these young people. No, but that is very true. The word, the word of God speaks truth and speaks life, Owen, and I'm glad that you, you spoke that, that you opened up your heart and your mind to receive what he's already proclaimed, which is, is really awesome, to get us out of a funk. Jesus is the defunkalizer if we just turn into his word. So thank you for that. That's awesome. Our next beautiful young guest. Hi, I'm Haley. I go to the one and only Notre Dame Academy. I'm a senior there. And what gets me out of a funk is karaoke. 
I really wow. love, yeah, to do karaoke in my room. Um, when nobody else is listening, when my parents aren't home, my brother's not home. So, like, I like to be alone, but I love karaoke. <laughs> Haley, what's a favorite karaoke song of Haley? Oh, my gosh. That's a tough one. I don't put you on the spot. Just one of them. What is one um, that... Probably The Story of Us by Taylor Swift. Okay. The Story of Us. Mm-hmm. Super good song. By the way, if you came to our house, we'd give you total permission. We would appreciate <laughs> you belting it out, karaoke stuff. <laughs> you would not need to wait for... <laughs> you. We wouldn't need to be absent. So we're going to do... Will you do that for us sometime, Haley? Maybe. Just crank the speakers and, you know, let sure. you entertain us? I'd love to. Awesome. That, I heard you say... You all heard it, folks. Yeah, but all we'll right. have to leave. That's great. Excellent. <laughs> our, next, our next wonderful guest... Hi, I'm Katie. I'm a sophomore at Notre Dame. And to get out of a funk, I really love talking to my friends at school. Um, One of my friends recently actually gave me a book about things that we had been talking about. So it's always just beautiful relying on the people in your community to really just help you and lift you up. Wow, she was so succinct. I know. That's great. But again, right, friends? Um, you're, you're in a funk, folks. Who is that friend right now that you could call on the phone that, you know, could defunkalize you? And just open that door to grace. I mean, God made us for community, Trinity. So that's really, really awesome, Katie. You've given testimony to the Trinity and our nature in the Trinity. So, El Mexicano in la otra room. Um, Real quickly, just because I wanted to fact check um, one of the things said on this program. Haley mentioned that uh, she said the one and only Notre Dame Academy. Uh, it's false. I already found oh four others. <laughs> so besides that, hi, I am J.P. Schleter. I am also homeschooled. Kick him off. <laughs> Dude, I am at the soundboard. You would be the one kicked off. Um, the junior. Truth. Uh, what I do to get out of a funk, um, I like being outdoors. So whether that be um, going outside and shooting squirrels or just going in the woods or... Oh uh, going on a run or playing football with my in shape younger brother. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, being with people, really love it all. So, Steph, what do you do to get out of a funk? Oh, we get to answer now. Yeah, we do. Well, you I do. I'm not saying this. I'm going to, but um, so gosh, there's so many, so many funks to get out of sometimes that sometimes they need different. Uh, methodologies right. right so one of my favorite prayers is and when i'm in a funk is to turn to our lady and just say you know mary mother me now you know um mm. so or to to jesus you know come and get me because i know i'm in a place where he doesn't desire me to be um but I love being around real little ones who doesn't just light up, mm. right? With a little baby or a toddler. It's kind of like everything else fades away. That's why you spend so much time with John Paul. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know I'm love giving a bunch of them. But I have to say also, and not to sound you know cheesy or whatever, but it's so true, like just to, to serve somebody else, you know, just to kind of um, get your eyes off of yourself and whatever issues one may be having and um and look to others and but in all honesty other than just being with my husband and no i know come on cheese factor you can play the sappy music I need a sound effect. just that snug factor <laughs> that just is so life. important and so beautiful and so grace-filled i have to say that when you first asked that question 
I thought of Mr. Phil Hertzfeld, and I smiled. <laughs> so if you know him, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you're ever in a funk or just having troubles, just spend a moment with Phil Hertzfeld, and your spirits Amen will be lifted. That. It's awesome. There's a phrase that we've used with our children from their earliest conscious years, and it was simply this. We can either choose to be victims or victorious. Victorious. Well, before that, it was a sunshine in the cloud. I don't know what that is. Yeah, or just Jesus. get over it. That's, that's what true. I always say. That's true, was, with, a, was, with uh, an expletive. You could choose sunshine? Or you oh, that's true. I would say I would bone it down to them at an early age. You can either choose sunshine or you can choose clouds. And then the challenge, of course, is for us as parents. But, you know, there's something in that of Christ's conquering power to be aware, number one, if we're in a funk, if we're in clouds, if we're being victims, to, to name it and say, okay, I am allowing my inner life that is the temple of the Holy Spirit, to be held captive. Uh, I'm allowing it, and uh, I'm allowing that, uh, I'm giving that authority, I'm delegating that authority to something or somebody that doesn't belong. And it does take a moment of saying, you know what, it doesn't belong, I was in fashion for this, I renounce it, whatever form, and Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit, whether it's through Scripture, whether it's through all the things that these wonderful people said, a song, a friend, calling them, taking that time. So I'm going to open us in prayer right now, wherever we may be, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Dear Lord, we do pray that this faith of ours wouldn't simply be externals, wouldn't simply be uh, conceptual, but Lord, is the fabric of our nature. You made us for yourself. You fashioned us for your indwelling spirit. And you want to inhabit these souls, Lord God. And so if any of us right now in our listening audience are experiencing any debris desert or darkness, certainly you allow us to endure those things, to love purely. We know that, God. And in that case, we do pray that you sustain us in the conviction that you are with us, that we're never closer to you than in our suffering and difficulties in desert and darkness. But Lord, if it is just a cloud that we're entertaining, that we're allowing something somebody said, uh, maybe a grudge we're carrying, something we read about, Lord, you don't want us to be in that cloud, and we do right now. In the name of Jesus, we just renounce it. It has no permission to be within us. We renounce it. We pray that you just anoint our minds and our hearts all the, all the more to make us mindful of who we are in you, that you want to inhabit us and flood through us to those around us, God, that we can be uh, examples of life, death, and resurrection, examples to a world around us, that we need not be victims or slaves to, this, um, to the clouds of the world, but, but in you we can conquer. We ask this in your name through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So, reasserting, if you will, the ultimate drama. Which of us don't like movies? We all do. Which of us don't like books and stories? We all do. We all like stories. We're made for story. Scripture, ultimately, is about the story of God's love for us. Um, And we see that there are really kind of four main movements in every story. Uh, You've got a moment where we begin. It's a surprise. Moment B is we go through a crucible, a struggle, a challenge. Movement C is we come through on the other end, uh, more fully aware of identity. And movement D is it informs our mission. Every single movie or drama you can think of has these movements. And let's name them. Where we begin, that's life. The crucible is death. Coming through that crucible, Lent, Jesus' suffering and sacrifice, coming through that death, we discover identity, resurrection, 
And it doesn't just end there. It doesn't just end with, boy, I'm feeling good in this Catholic Christian hot tub and this moment of grace being poured into me and it's going to stop there. No, it's meant to overflow. And that's the movement of mission, that movement of Pentecost. And by the way, uh, if we're not seeking to be an instrument of that overflowing grace, it will die. A whole lot of us may be experiencing um, emptiness and struggle because we're not letting that water overflow through us. And it's a challenge for us. So those four movements define our lives. If we look in a mirror, if we look at our stories, these four movements are playing out all the time. And Jesus revealed them in his very life, in his very nature. They inform our nature. They're a mirror of our nature. How awesome. So we're going to go around now and just briefly again with each of these wonderful people to share in a few moments or less um, how they have come to encounter and choose Jesus Christ. What was significant in their life that brought them to a point, uh, maybe grew up that way or whatever, but I'll let each of them share. How did they come to be in this room and where they're at right now and having encountered Christ and choosing to live for him? And I'm going to have my sons go last because you've heard them share their stories. I want to... I'm going to clarify the question for you guys a little bit, kind of make it more um, personal. We have, I'm, I'm being abused. In Mothered. Um, she wants your face in the microphone. So all of you guys here, this is your first time on the show, which is super exciting. We've had some other people. We've had Robert Kelly, shout out to him, and Justin Schneblin, and Abby Griffith, and Allison, and Maddie from last year, all these different people. And now I'm excited for you guys to come and share your story Um I've known all of you guys different times and in different ways, but you guys all stand out in a lot of different ways for your faith and for your intentionality in your faith. Um, I think there are a lot of teens your age who have uh, who have the faith who go to mass, maybe go to youth group. But there's something I, something special about you guys. There's something you guys take it seriously in a different way. Um, so obviously you can you can share kind of how you came to Jesus. I suspect most of you guys are something you kind of grew up with, and maybe there's like a defining moment, but what made you guys like really take your faith seriously? Like, what made it beyond more than just going to mass and living like a decent moral life, and maybe going to youth group for social things or whatever? Like, why is it that you guys um, are the way you are, and that you guys have taken your faith seriously beyond all of that? Okay, so um, I Who guess. Who are I'll, you, by the way, for oh, audience? Katie. Um, I guess I'll start us off. Um, Kind of on the topic of why do you take it so seriously? Because quite literally, this is life and death. Um, this is really my entire life is to have a purpose and to follow his word and his purpose for me. So just pushing that aside and waiting till the last second or never doing it really mm-hmm. isn't an option. And my friend and I were talking about this. Why do the people who repent and see God at the last moment of their lives, why do they get to go to heaven when, you know, I've been working so hard to get there? But then we also realize the suffering and how much they have gone through in their life, how unhappy they have been for so long. And the last second of their life is finally the moment where they feel whole. So I take it very seriously because this is everything I have. So I think that kind of is just... I yeah. Feel. So when when for you did you begin to take faith seriously? Like what was was it like a particular moment or time or series of events that happened for you to say, hey, I want this to be more in my life? Yeah, I would actually say it was my first lit that I like found something because a lot of youth groups, they are finding God, but not actually walking with God. And so for me, 
going to a place where so many people were so on fire really just led me to like take this seriously. Haley or Owen? Um, would you like me to start out with uh, where I started? Uh, or yeah, just, go for it. Well, I guess the reason why I take my faith seriously is it's kind of um, it's kind of mixed on how I look at it because like there's some seriousness to it, and but there's also some just like parts where you just have fun. Yeah, for sure. Because um, because I don't like <laughs> um, I think that. Like looking at uh, Jesus's journey with his dis- his apostles and his disciples, it was he definitely had a um, message in in the purpose of all that he did. But he also did enjoy the time that he had with those apostles because though that was he knew those were the moments that he was going to impact them the most, so that they could carry on his message once he um, once he was crucified and. So I guess I think about it that way because I know Jesus wasn't serious the whole time, and I know mm-hmm. I know not not all of us are serious the whole time. So it's it's more about having just like a good time to me and being able to um, share share my message and share um, just share share the faith with those around me. You got to wonder, you know, is Jesus a practical joker at times? You know, is he? You know, were jokes part of the situation? You oh, know? With twelve guys, well, thirteen. Come on, Jesus, there <laughs> have to have been. I, I love to see those replays. There's no way there wasn't. I hope there's a replay in heaven and we can see some of that going on. But just your point, quickly, as an old fifty-year-old guy, one of my most favorite uh, life moments is with brothers on a monthly basis playing poker. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll say we have some of the most meaningful conversations over this slow, it's a slow burn poker. <laughs> Ten bucks is most you're going to lose over five hours. We provide beverages <laughs> and snacks. And, but seriously, it happened this past Friday, and just like what you said, um, it, is, uh, it is the human stuff that God has woven into and the fun and the interaction, woven with seriousness. Mm-hmm. It's the full picture of humanity. Mm-hmm. As the one saint said, the glory of God is man fully alive, and I, I really resonate with that. Yeah. Um, well, I guess the moment that really hit me the most in my life that really led me to this day actually is probably the moment when I uh, was able to meet my girlfriend and that was probably the most impactful uh, moment of my life. It was, it was really through her that I just saw her being on fire in her faith and wanting to catch on fire with that and with her. And, and we, we kind of took it and ran and it's been a bit of a roller coaster, I would say, because there's always those ups and downs that you go through. And that's, that's something that like, you deal with in a, as a, in a relationship every single day. And, um, but I would definitely, um, give it all to God that he put her in my life for that, um, specific moment. And that really led me to, uh, who I am today. That's awesome. And a testimony, I guess, when you look at a youth culture for that matter, dating scene, relationships between men and women. Oh, and that's a phenomenal testimonial. But I have to ask you the edgy, hard question. Okay, you're in high school. She's in high school, right? She's actually a freshman at U- Like I said, she's in college. So <laughs> you're young adults. Um, how common is is the beauty of your relationship from a godly perspective? How common is that? Um, you can say, be honest. Throw well, it out there. Do you see others like you guys? I do. I do. Um, I'm thankful enough to be in a friend group that there are relation, other relationships that are, are similar to mine, and, and I'm very thankful for that. But but sadly, to look at it the way I have seen in this life and, like, in, in my high school and just in this city is I haven't I haven't really seen it. And, and it kind of – it doesn't make me mad, but it, it kind of – it just – it makes my faith so much stronger because it just helps me – it helps me direct my prayer towards those people because – 
I want the best for all those other relationships out there and those because I know I know I've had the struggles and I'm sure those people are struggling just the same it's just that that difference that bringing Christ into it really can change a relationship yeah awesome and also just the testimony of how others face people's faith ignites other people's faith all it took I mean your girlfriend she was able to, she was living her faith out vibrantly and that caused a spark in you and you've caused sparks in others and just like how when we live out our own faith, it uh, ignites that in others. So that's just awesome and inspirational. So Haley. All right. So I grew up in a very Catholic family. I had amazing role models like my parents and my grandparents. And it was awesome because we got to go to mass together every weekend. And then we would go back to my grandparents' house and have brunch and just spend that time as a family and as a community who were striving to have a relationship with God. And even with those influences, I don't think I really desired a relationship with God for myself until I was in eighth grade going into high school. And I found a community at the St. Patrick for Heather Downs Youth Group um, with my friends and with other people who had a faith so strong and who were so on fire to have God in their lives and I found that through all of that, God is not just a feeling. He's not just found in that Jesus high that people get on retreats and that they feel at camps. Um, But he's he's deeper than that. He works a lot deeper than that. Um, Yeah, it's just a constant surrendering every single day of your life to choose God and to choose that lifestyle for me, I think. That's awesome. And I, who do we need a shout out to for that? Is that an Alan Badia thing? Is that a John Travick thing? Who are we giving a shout out to? Yes, Alan Badia and John Travick have both been amazing um, role models in my life. I strive to have relationships um, with God like they do. They push me past my limits and push me to grow deeper in my faith. That's awesome. Uh, you mentioned an awesome point about faith being more than just something a high you get on camps or um, on retreats and stuff, which kind of leads me into my next question for you all, because I think very often most of you guys have probably been on some sort of retreat or gone to a camp and experienced that sort of high. Um, I think a lot of Christianity is based off of those highs, and it, it can be a struggle because people go to camps, people go to retreats, and, and they get all into it, and, yeah, I'm going to change my life, and then a week, two weeks, a month, two months down the road, you know, they're back to square one or worse sometimes. Um, what would you guys think is kind of the defining factor in, in maintaining that fire, not just getting like these firecracker moments, but having something that is steadfast, like, that remains? Like how in your lives have you seen that? What advice would you give to people maybe who, who experience that frustration of going somewhere, having this high and like crashing? How do you live it out in the ordinary day by day? John Paul, you're free to answer too back there in your little nest. Thanks. Um, yeah, I I just think that we a lot of times associate Jesus moments with the camp, with the with the place, and so when we leave, we're not associating Jesus in our day to day lives. And so something that's been uh, transforming in my own uh, journey to Christ has been making each and every day an altar call. Um, like, you know, you have that time at camp at whatever retreat where it's like you give your life to Jesus and 
something beautiful about our faith is that every single day, every single moment can be an altar call. Um, it doesn't have to be at your Catholic Youth Summer Camp or Cove Crest or fill in the blank, um, but it can be something that you can freely choose to do each and every moment in moments of temptation and moments of um, just whenever. So, Jape, what does an altar call look like? Um, I mean, it can vary, but typically it's just someone invites uh, people to just give your life to Jesus. A lot of times it involves approaching uh, Jesus and the Blessed Sacrament to uh, be closer to the one um, who is drawing you close. And, um, and yeah, I guess it's just kind of a give your life to Jesus sort of moment. So just for clarity's sake, you recognize throughout any given day the opportunity uh, to take that time and uh, avail yourself to God's grace. Yeah. Okay. Anyone else? Um, For me, I've recently started doing things like this because I noticed, you know, you get back from a retreat, you get back from a youth group, and, you know, things dwindle down. And for me, I've just started, you know, talking to God as friends because a lot of the time— we don't do that. You know, we say mm-hmm. we say our prayers and then we go to sleep or whatever. So I've really taken the time to just talk to God, you know, tell him what's going on in my life. I'm like, I know you already know this, but <laughs> thanks. Or, hey, maybe next time don't have me trip in the hallway. <laughs> just stuff Jeez. like that. Just, you know, really talking to him and knowing him as a friend and not as almost in our society a celebrity, mm-hmm. how we mm-hmm. idolize this well, obviously, we should idolize God, but it's not just someone that's passing. It's someone who wants to be at your side and just understanding that. Yeah, I think in our in our um, we live in a culture where following someone or friending someone is done in the click of a button, and so yeah. I think that's our, that's become our mentality a lot with God. You know, we commit to Him, and and that's it. We check His feet every once in a while, and then that's it. Whereas. Um, it's supposed to be a relationship, and I think a lot of us don't know how to have that relationship day by day, and I think that's one of the big struggles that a lot of Christians face in um, in their journey towards God. So any thoughts from you guys? Um, I've come to realize after going to uh, a couple of Cove Crests and a Tech Retreat and a Kairos that um, change is something that's always been needed in my in my routine with um, with God because— I've come back with a plan, but that plan and that plan seems to always fail. And um, <laughs> that's the that's when I know that I can't just let myself get down on those things because I need to be able to just recognize that it didn't work. So just move on, find something new. I actually was just shown this app on my phone, the Holy Bible app. My girlfriend actually showed it to me, and it's it's really something that seems cool to me, and it's something that I'm willing to change and put into my routine just to just to like experience something new because I think something new is what. Um, really bring something like it makes something fresh into our minds because um just being able to experience something uh newer and fresh is something that's going to be at the front of our mind instead of something at the back so just being able to change that routine and um realize that we have to change something in order to just like just to remain fresh and just uh continue to reconnect with our faith awesome so I have a thought, a question for you guys. You are very blessed, as you know, whether your family uh, that sends you to Catholic schools and your friend groups that you're talking about and these ministry experiences are fabulous. And yet, 
in your Catholic environments with crosses on the walls and masses once in a while and intentional teachers, you must feel often that sometimes you're swimming against the stream with, with peers that you love. Like people that you know, you know them by name, and you know that there are things that they do that you wouldn't do and vice versa. <laughs> and so I, what, my question is, I know it's more than just words. It's the word. We can say all the words we want. And I know you've experienced that, I'm sure, too, with your friends. But what do you wish they knew? What do you wish they experienced or encountered that would change a lot of their hearts and minds? If it could just, if you could speak life and speak words into them to know, if you will, what you know, what message would you give them? Well, going to Central Central Catholic for four years, it's been it's been a bit of a struggle, and um, not until my past Kairos retreat, just a, uh, just over a month or less than a month, actually. Ago, I was able to really open up with my classmates and have them know, like, actually who I am because I feel like over the past four years it really hasn't been me that they've known some bits but not all of it. And um, and I think the message to, like, anyone listening right now and, like, anyone that might be from my high school that's listening right now is that, that I wish that they would be able to experience what goes through my mind and and that, like, Jesus really does work through your everyday life and no matter what you might be suffering through right now or my, what might— what might you be nervous about in the future? It's all a part of a plan, and I know that's something that might be stereotypically said often, but there is a plan and that, that like, we suffer. And Chris Turner actually gave a talk about this a few weeks ago, and it was something that, oh, my gosh, it struck me so uh, just with the Lord, and, and it caught, me, caught fire in me because just hearing him talk about suffering in a way, it was so beautiful. And it's it's kind of... <laughs> It's hard to think about, but I just I really wish that um, the message that I really would want them to hear is that suffering is going to happen, but it's all about the response uh, because because how you respond is really how you're going to be able to shape your life, and um, living out that response is really what's critical. So just a, a quick follow-up on that, Owen. Thanks for sharing that. It's, it's really awesome, and a key theme there is that you gave testimony. You had an opportunity to share the the beautiful interior of your life, without which you may have just been uh, whoever their misconceptions or the myth of who Owen is. So you, <laughs> you had an opportunity to share something of depth and meaning below the surface. And so the first thought that I had is, I wonder how many of those young men that you're with or women similarly felt, hey, I, I, I connect with that. You know, like, I don't know if I could say what he's saying, but I'm resonating with, with what Owen shared. And... Um, you know, are there opportunities maybe for those of you who are listening to, now that you know Owen, if you go to Central Catholic, you know, ask him about it tomorrow or talk to him. Or, you know, I suspect a good number of folks, you know, would, you know, privately say, man, that was really great. And I really wish I had an occasion to talk to somebody about that. So I guess I'm saying to our audience, the value of appropriately giving testimony. We should always be giving testimony, but there's an appropriate, you know, non-preachy realness about it. And we all speak of Revelations 12, 11. Well, here's a great example. You know, it says uh, they defeated the enemy by the blood of the Lamb, certainly that's holy mass, and the word of their testimony. So I'm just fired up about that, and I just, folks who go to Central Catholic, if your parents or grandparents, we know there are many dynamic, wonderful people there. We love Morgan Delp. We love Father <laughs> Neo. I mean, uh, I mean, Father... Oh, Father Matt. Oh, well, come on, the Matrix. He's got the Cassock thing going on there. It's awesome. <laughs> so, anyways, wonderful people there. And how important it is, friend, of you listen, track them down and share your story. Share, you know, that reality of your encounter or struggle with Christ. Take the risk to go deeper than just, you know, what's happening in sports this weekend. 
Um, for me, like Owen, these uh, last four years at Notre Dame Academy, they've been amazing, but they've also been a struggle. And I think I can relate through that with actions and acting on the faith that you have with God, um, not being afraid to kneel during adoration, um, to raise your hands during adoration, to walk up, to go to reconciliation, um, to not be afraid of other people judging you for that. And I can say for myself, um, my freshman and sophomore years, I was afraid of people judging me um, for having a faith in God, despite it being a Catholic school. But um, there's so many people there that will say they are Catholic and discriminate against Catholics. And it just, it made me really self-conscious. And it wasn't until my junior year when I joined retreat team and helped to lead masses and participate in masses that I really understood that it didn't matter what other people thought of me as long as they could see my actions and maybe even be inspired by them. Beautiful. That's awesome. Um, for me, I think if I could give a message to just my classmates, because I know um, I'm friends with a lot of them who don't have faith um, at all. And for me, I would just like them to know that I love them. And I'm not judging you because you do certain things that I don't agree with, but rather I'm just praying that God really just shows himself to you and that you see how much I have found in that. Yeah, that's awesome. One of the um, themes that God's been speaking in my life, and I think if I, I mean, I, I go to a homeschool, so I a little have, trouble giving it's, witness it's, it's there tough, and talking it's about your tough, faith. You know, yeah, I, I feel very, persecution. My faith is very um, <laughs> tough to live out there, you know, and I, I'm scared to make the sign of the cross at lunch and all that fun stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, but. No, I even right now I'm in a play at Notre Dame Academy or um, I, I work at Chick-fil-A and see different people. So I, I have a lot of exposure to culture. Um, and, and the word that God's been putting on my heart for, for this generation, for these people, is the word significant. Mm. And uh, we actually talked about this at our, last, um, at our last lit group, but this idea of significance in our culture. And if there was one thing that I could say to every person, it would be from, you know, from the bottom of my heart, like you are significant, like you matter. I think too often people downplay their own significance and, um, and so they, they don't think it matters or their significance scares them and so they choose the easy route because uh, they know that if they, were, if they were to follow that call in their heart, then it would mean sacrificing some things and it would mean they would have to rely on something other than themselves. Um, and we like we don't want to rely on anything other than God. Um, uh, a pastor from North Carolina said, "If if your dream doesn't scare you, or he said, if you're um, if you're let me get it right, I'm not going to get it right, but he says something along the lines of, if the size of your life doesn't isn't intimidating to you, then there's a pretty good chance it's insulting to God because God's created us created us for so much more than we even think. Um, at this, you guys can probably speak to this, mom and dad." When we were younger, we would, before a movie would come on, we would call the characters. You know, when we'd be watching The Incredibles and, like, it'd be a rush to, like, call, like, I'm Mr. Incredible. I'm Mrs. Incredible. And, like, you'd have this, like, massive, like... I am Mr. Incredible. Oh, we'd fight over it. Yeah, we would fight over this. And it was, like, something that, you know, it was, like, a thing. And it really didn't matter. It had no significance 
in day-to-day life, but we would like fight over it and we'd like try calling it in advance and we'd bribe each other like, oh, I'll give you like three pieces of chocolate if I can be this person or, you know, because someone would call it first and you want whatever it may be. And then their victories would be like, they'd punch someone on screen, like, oh, did you guys see what I did? Like, that was so cool. And, you know, we'd like relate to these characters and it'd be so cool. And I was thinking about that the other day and I, and I shared this at our lit um, last Friday. I was singing about this theme. I'm like, why did we do that? We were so weird. John Paul was the weirdest one because I would steal all the good characters. It's just homeschool thing. Yeah, you insisted as the I, eldest. You bullied your I way would, to those I would characters. steal. I would steal all the best characters, and I wasn't content with one. So I'd take like all of them, and then uh, and John Paul would just be left with his Teletubbies. This is John Paul. John Paul. Wow. Don't, don't rip on the Teletubbies. John Paul loved the Teletubbies. And then we play like superheroes, and he's like, "I'm the purple one, guys." And I'm like, "Okay," but um. I was thinking about this. I'm like, we were weird kids. <laughs> like, what the heck? Why would we? Why would we call these characters on the screen? And and it just hit me this this theme of of significance. Like, we wanted. We were at a young age. We were striving for significance, and we saw people on screen who were doing something that mattered, and who had a story that they were a part of, and who were who were you know their actions had consequences, and we were following them. You know, and I think as kids and. For us, it took it took form in that way, whether it be in, in movies or books or whatever, us relating to these characters. But I think you look at any the heart of any child, and even up to up to now, there's there's this desire for significance. And when you're younger, you're more striving after it, and then when you get older, you get bogged down by all these other things, and you forget that. Um, but I think that that's such a key message, just to tell people like, hey, you are significant and you matter. And, yeah, we hear it all the time. God has a plan for us. God has a plan for us. Like there was something before the beginning of time that God specifically wanted you to do. And he set the pieces in your life to make it come about. And it's going to matter more than you realize. Like he, he's created us for impact. He's created us to leave a legacy behind. And for some people, that's going to be different. But the fact of the matter is that each person is significant. And I think that's just something that our culture needs to hear more and more. Jape, cue you up in a moment to give your uh, thoughts on what you would like to say to your generation. But Joseph, to follow up on what you're saying, um, it doesn't have to be this epic, I founded this youth revival movement. It doesn't have to be, I have this earth-shaking testimonial that I need to give. In fact, just as an example, um, which, you know, we'd often give right now, is right now, here's just a small example to give you a taste of it, our listening audience. Right now, can you think of one person in need of knowing God's love? Like, who comes to mind, you know? Is it a friend? Is it a parent that needs to know God's love? Well, the second thing is, possibly that wasn't just me. Possibly it was the Holy Spirit working through me to connect your heart to God's heart and to know that he's moving in your heart to act on it. So now it's up to you. That person can remain deprived of God's heart, or you can be a means for it to continue to flow through you through so many communications methods Whatever, take your pick. Maybe it's a text. Maybe it's an email. Ideally, it's a call. Uh, but I don't want to limit you to that. But I'm going to challenge you right now. Send minimally, just send a text. And how hard is it to say, Steve? I'm thinking of you right now, and I'm praying for you. I know you're going through a difficult time. I just want you to know you are not alone. Now I've heard that simple cooperation when I've done this in talks and whatever. That a year, two, five years down the road, people would say somebody sent me a text message right at the right moment when I needed to hear it. And it, it, some would even say it changed their lives. How many of us wouldn't benefit from somebody speaking that love into our lives at a key moment in our lives? So, Joseph, what you're speaking of, it can be that small. It yeah. can be that inconse- seemingly inconsequential to simply cultivate a quality of knowing the Almighty God who created the universe wants to impart 
life-changing grace through small ways of cooperation all the time. Yeah, the, the phrase I would use for it is just thrive where you're planted. Um, wherever you're planted, God wants you to thrive there. For some people, that's going to be on stages, leading worship or giving a talk or leading a big conference. For most people, that's going to be the day-to-day life. You know, the Bible, it has its Moses and Davids and Peters and Pauls who are out there evangelizing and, and spreading the word of God. But then it also had its people like Daniel and Joseph and Esther who were placed in pagan kingdoms. And through them just living their faith out, they brought nationwide transformation just by them living it out. And it's that idea of leaven. You know, Jesus talks about the leaven. You put a little bit of it in the dough and it causes the whole thing to rise. You, every listener, all you people who, who are listening, who are, who are attentive to this idea, all it takes is you to just bring your faith into your situation, into your circumstance, wherever you're at, and that can cause the whole place to rise. Again, it can be through a simple word of encouragement to someone, um, an extra prayer for someone, letting them live it out in a special way. Whatever it may be, we're all created to be significant. We're all created for impact. And for each person, that's mm-hmm. going to come about differently, but it's supposed to happen with each of us. Juan Pablo. Um, message to our generation. Um, I've got two very short things to say. First of all, to... Um, both are secular society and Christian society wake up, um, wake up to the real problems that are going on in our world and the real solution that can only be found through Jesus Christ. Um, so that, and more specifically to um, our Christian brothers and sisters um, and Catholics and fill in the blank, don't be afraid to be rejected. Um mm. And because I think that so many people are silent because they're scared of being rejected. Um, and so many people are dying because people are scared to be rejected. So, yeah. We're already nearing the end of time. It goes by so fast. But um, question for you guys, bringing it back to you. One of the things that we've asked before, and I think has been super helpful for all the listeners here. Most of the listeners are uh, adults with families, whether it be parents or grandparents or whatever. But what advice would you give to parents? Most of the time it's parents giving advice to you guys, but what advice would you guys give to parents about um, whether it be raising kids in the faith or um, relating to them um, on the faith? What, 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 you, what you guys wish parents knew? Most of the time it's like parents, all right, well, what, what we wish you guys knew, but what do you guys wish parents knew um, in terms of like living out the faith, um, whether it be for you guys or for people in your generation? Does that make sense? Yeah. Kind of? Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'll give you guys a moment. Prominent thought for you, Joseph, along those lines. One key theme. Yeah. What I wish parents knew, most parents knew. I've been blessed with awesome parents. At least a good um, mom. Yeah, she's all right. Um, I wish parents knew that um, not even, this isn't even necessarily in relation to kids, but that the best is still yet to come for the parents. Mm. I think parents are like their best days are behind you. Um, I heard this was someone from a church in California said that if your um, if your dream if your dreams are bigger if your memories are bigger than your dreams then you're already dying. Wow, hold on a second. Let's if your memories that. are bigger than your dreams then you're already dying. Because too often mm-hmm. I think most adults mm-hmm. it's like oh I've had all these memories and like these are the greatest times of my life, but you're dying when those become bigger than the dreams you still have for the future. And so I would just, I wish most, I see a lot of adults and I interact with them and, you know, they think it's all about 
the next generation, the next this, the next that, which that's important in handing on what you know to the next generation, but also knowing that there's still more for you and that you can still grow deeper with God and have, you know, world-changing impact. I hear Todd White, who is this, um, who is an evangelical preacher, teacher guy who just on Dread fire. Guy. Yeah, he's got dreads. He's just, <laughs> I saw, I got to see him. Like, he actually prayed over me, which is just crazy. Um, and is that why you're growing the long hair? Exactly. Never mind. He, um, hair. He was talking about, and his convert, this guy is just massive power spirit guy. His, and he's like in his 40s, and he was talking about how his conversion was recent or like within, I don't remember how many years, but he was still in his 30s or 40s when he had this like massive conversion. And so, I mean, and I've, I've heard about people in their 80s who all of a sudden enc- encountered the fire of the spirit and like are going around and like healing and, and preaching and all that stuff. Like there's, the spirit has so much in store for you, so don't limit him. That's, that'd be my advice. Let me ask you in the form of a question. Do you guys wish or do you think your peers wished their parents appropriately shared their faith struggles? Um, I'd agree. I would say yes. I, uh, I can actually relate to that. I think um, having, a, having a dad that actually didn't come into the faith until I was eight years old in my uh, second grade communion a week before that, actually, I was really blessed. Um, I think just not knowing is, is what... Um, what just has us questioning what could be going on in their lives. Mm. Because I think since we, we obviously know ourselves, we think about our struggles and our, our things that are going on. And like personally, like looking at my faith and looking at where I've come from and like, how like I've, I've really come up from, from uh, nothing to uh, like, a, it feels like a mountain sometimes. And, mm. and it just feels so great at where I'm at, but it's like, you don't know where your parents are. And, um, and even though you know that they're, they're in the same faith as you, they're Catholic, they go to mass with you, but it's like, they're not in the same, you know, they're not in a youth group, obviously. And it's, it's kind of crazy because sometimes it can be overwhelming and kind of scary to like actually want to share with them what's going on in your life because, because you just want to keep it private. And so I think it's just not knowing what's going on in your parents' lives because I think as youth, it it can be easier for us um, sometimes to just have that like fire and explain those things a little bit better because, because I don't know how to explain it, but I think it's just a difference with the youth and then having your parents say something something crazy with the Holy Spirit. It's a, it's a little bit, it's not, it's not like, I guess you could say it's not really common or it's not normal. It doesn't happen as often. So it's, so that's, I guess that's what I'm saying. I'm saying, yes, it is a little bit, it's, it's just different because you wish you would know what was on their mind and yeah. So validation parents out there, just at least from Owen and want to hear from the young women here, just you're hearing them say that they would love to know maybe below the struggles that they see on the surface or whatever, the contents of maybe some struggles that open the door and communicate. Uh, and not just struggles, but victories. Just absolutely. I think faith in general, yeah, right. just share right and what that means regarding faith, which is intertwined, right? Dive in there, Katie. Um, well, I just want to say, hey, mom, uh, I know you're probably listening to this, but That's I two think, <laughs> yeah, <Sorry. me> too. <laughs> but I, um, I think a big thing for parents that is beautiful is asking your kids to pray for you. Mm. I know a lot of the times mm. parents feel as though they can't tell their kids if they're not doing something right or they're not doing well. And just for, you know, kids to lean, kids lean back on their parents a lot and, Kids want you to lean on us a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. tell me I had a really rough day if you could just pray for me. Like, I think that is so beautiful if yeah. you do that with your kids and just letting them into your life a little bit would definitely be something that could benefit both of you. Awesome. Um, my parents have 
uh, been very open with their faith um, to me and my brother. And my mom actually didn't um, come into the Catholic Church until she was a young adult before she married my dad. And the fact that she chose to want to be Catholic, um, to want to be welcomed into our church community is such a witness to um, both me and my brother, I think. Um, she reminds us that we have to choose to want to follow Jesus, to want to follow God, and to be his child. And I think that um, sometimes parents try to force the faith on their kids, um, but ultimately it has to be their choice to want to follow Jesus. And I think if parents are open to sharing their struggles and their victories, um, their children might be more open to wanting that same relationship that they have with God. So Ezekiel prophesied about a valley of dry bones many years ago, and it is an image of a revival. It's an image of a revival that he, he, to prophesy to that which is dead and to see it come alive in a miraculous, supernatural way. And we're living in those days. We're living in those days where we can speak the truth, where we can speak with the, with the power of the Holy Spirit to our spouses, to our families, to our friends. As I began in the beginning saying, you can be given a million dollars and still starve. God gives us that inheritance to speak life to one another. There are many ways we can do it. You're hearing tonight, folks, the prophesying to dry bones. You're hearing among these young people examples of, 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 um, of them doing it in their own lives. And just, you know, an image there, we pray it all the time in the Our Father, right? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Would Jesus ask us to pray that if he was not providing for the means for it to happen? Yeah, and I just want to encourage all our listeners. I texted these fine folks, I think, yesterday asking, hey, you guys want to be on the radio? And just simple like that. I mean, that's kind of a, whoa, like, what the heck? Like, that's crazy. I don't know if I can do that. All these people were brave enough to answer and to, um, to be on here with us. And you guys have all, it's been a pleasure being with you guys. And you guys have all been awesome. And it's yeah, just been a blessing to hear your thoughts and your insights. Mm. And my encouragement to all listening is that you guys, if they can do it, you guys can do Amen. it for sure. Amen. To be on live radio um, as teens um, just coming in with a day's notice is awesome. And the fact that they're just on and, and preached the word was awesome. So to all you out there, I just bless you in the name of Jesus. And I... I ask for a spirit of confidence to come upon you, that you would be bold in your proclamation and your willingness to step up and answer the call wherever it may be in your life. God bless you all.